0: This evening, I'm gonna be ministering a word and it's entitled, True or False? True or False? And I believe that in a time like this with everything going on on the planet, it is important for us to know what is true and what is false. I think the place that we should always start when it comes to truth or falseness (laughs) is it should start with us. Before we judge anybody else, we should look at our own hearts. What is the condition of our own hearts? There is a famous sermon that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter number five. That You all know it, I'm sure. The Sermon on the Mount. You know, I always say that I don't think Jesus really taught very often for a long time. But I think this sermon was long. I think this sermon probably took maybe even hours, I don't know, but it was definitely a longer sermon than normal. And so he teaches the people and he teaches them really how to live. And it's so powerful because I'm gonna just read to you just very briefly a few things from what he teaches us. And I wanna start by saying this, I believe with all of my heart that every single word of this sermon applies to you and I. This is not for Old Testament saints. And I I believe I can prove that to you at the end of the sermon without any shadow of a doubt. This sermon applies every word to you and I. Now, if I had time, I would read the entire thing to you, but we just we just can't do it. As I go through just a few of these things, you'll remember the bulk of it and go and study Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. Very powerful. But let's go to the beginning of it. Matthew five, verse number one, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He's describing what we should look like as his people. In verse 13, Matthew five thirteen, he tells us, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its flavor, How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Here he's telling us how it's important for us as believers to be salt. He teaches us how we need to be light and salt. And he says, if we lose our saltiness, if we lose what separates us, what gives us flavor, we're actually no good. I want you to understand something. That those same words that he preached that afternoon on the Sermon on the Mount while he was preaching in that place, I've been there, it's incredible. I believe those words are absolutely applicable right now. Right now to you, if you've lost your flavor, if you've lost your saltiness, you're good for nothing. If I lose my saltiness as a minister of the gospel, I'm good for nothing. I'll just come up here and be a clanging cymbal. Make a noise. Hopefully it'll be a joyful noise, but a noise it will be. (laughs) He says in verse 21, I can't read it all, but in verse 21 he says, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. These things are The same, the same things he says, but he goes on and he teaches us about anger, about how just how bad anger is. Did you know that we should not be too angry? (laughs) In verse 27, he says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. You see, under the law, if you committed adultery, you were in trouble. But under grace, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He's more interested in your heart than anything else. These words, this that he's saying is so true and applicable to us right now. This is still important right now. You shouldn't be looking, lusting after any other woman or man. I don't care if you like it or if it's popular or it isn't. It doesn't matter what you think because this is the way we are supposed to be or we lose our saltiness. We lose our flavor. We lose what separates us. It doesn't make us more righteous. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. Are you with me? But it's what will give us flavor because the more we can surrender to Him, the more He can use us the more he can pour out his love through us and in us. I want it to be in me first, amen. I want his love to be in me, to change me. And then I want that same love, hopefully after it's been through what's unfortunately in me, it'll still come out something good. Amen. He says in Matthew 5, verse 31 to 32, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Doesn't matter what you think. That's what the Bible says. We are supposed to be different. Well, you know, pastor, here here are my grounds. Here's my biblical grounds. Where do you find that in the Bible? And immediately we wanna begin to justify ourselves. I'm not saying if you've done any of these things, most of us will do something wrong here more than once. But that doesn't mean we must continue to live that way. We have to change. We have to be salt and light. This is how Jesus wants to call us to be like. Amen. He says in in Matthew 5, verse 43, he says, you have heard, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Are you, how? (laughs) And bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Next weekend, I'll teach you why those people should be your friends. In Matthew 6, he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Our, our motives and the way we do things and the way we give and the way we, we, we do anything should be done for him and not to be seen by others. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. He's teaching us how to be and how to live and how we can live so that one day we can be rewarded the best way. I wanna do stuff for Him that only He sees. I don't want you to see, so when I get to heaven, I'll see. I won't have to remind him, he'll remember. But if I do something so that everyone can see it, how great I out. That's all I've got, is your opinion about me, which by the way, by next week could change like that. So was it worth it? He says in verse number three, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In verse number five, Matthew six, verse number five, he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for their love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. It's easy to pray great prayers in front of people. Well, you know, Pastor, I think that, you know, we should all be praying, you know, we should all have our opportunity. Why? Look at what the Bible says. But you, when you pray, go into your room, And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the street, in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And this can mean so many different things, but one thing I can tell you that I know that it means when you are with him in private, when you truly seek him in private, when you leave there, he leaves with you. And wherever you go and you minister or talk about him to others, he is there. You don't have to pray a great prayer, preach a great sermon. I tell you what, when you show up, He shows up with you. He rewards you openly for that time that you spent with Him in secret. Let me just carry on. Let me just carry on. I wanna go, but let's just carry on. He says in verse 19 Matthew 6:19 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal For where your treasure is there your heart will be also Matthew 7, verse number one says, judge not that you be not judged. For with that, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is, this is tough, right? Because none of you judge, you know. <laughs> and Then he says this, and I love this. In Matthew 7, verse seven, he says, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. I remember when I was a young Christian, and I was so hungry for the things of God, so hungry to be used by God, I wanted to know all the, all the secrets, all the shortcuts and how do I do it and what do I do? And the only thing that I, that I managed to somehow get right was I really loved the presence of God and I wanted to be in His presence so badly because I honestly believed that when I closed my bedroom door and I would pray for hours and spend time in worship for hours, I honestly believed that if I did it long enough, He would show up. I actually believed it. I really believed it And I remember praying and seeking and asking God and not feeling anything and nothing would happen. But it was like just after a short season, it wasn't long of really just desiring God with everything inside of me that he began to use me in a really powerful way. I couldn't believe it. If you knock, he opens the door. If you seek him, you will find him. He teaches us how to live. And throughout Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, he tells us what we should do and how we should live. It's not all necessarily easy because it does demand us to actually change, to come out from the world and be different. Not out of the world, because if we're out of the world, we know earthly good. But to be different, to be light, to be salt, He teaches us this. And then in verse 13, there's a shift that takes place. And He says something, and I've heard this taught so many times, but I've heard it taught without talking about what was just before it. You see, He tells us how to live and what to do as believers right now. Not then, now. And then he starts in verse 13, Matthew 7, verse 13, by saying this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Did you hear me? There are many that go in the broad gate. The gospel has been taught in a way over the last few years where it's so easy, easy street. Listen, this tells us about two streets and the one we're supposed to take is not called easy. In fact, the easy wide gate is the one that leads to destruction. This is not Old Testament stuff. This is not for before the cross, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. This is for you and me right now. There is a demand. Jesus is coming for a church, for a bride that is ready for Him. And that includes you and I. I believe that with all of my heart. He's coming for a church that is gonna be seeking Him. Are they gonna be perfect? No, they can't be perfect but they understand where their help comes from. They understand where their strength comes from and their hearts will seek after Him. They will be the true worshipers that He spoke to about at the woman at the well and He said to her that you will worship me. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. They will desire to worship God from their hearts. We know, the worship music isn't so great. I, I never said it was. Your worship here is not the most important thing anyway. What I want you to tell me about oh great one who wants to judge the worship, how is your worship at home? Don't worry, we're working on the worship all the time. But how is your worship at home? Because that's where it counts. It's that worship that He will reward reward you for. And there is no place for self-righteousness. The more, when the word self is there, we're already in trouble. A radio host that I know really well interviewed Billy Graham, and he spoke to him about humility. And when he spoke to him about humility, He said something about humility. I don't remember exactly what it was. And Billy Graham bent over and said to him, if we're talking about it, we probably don't have it. And I thought to myself, man, I'm a long ways away from where he is. A lot has to change. There is a narrow path that needs to be taken if you're serious about the things of God. But I want you to see clearly that the, Wide path is not the path that leads to you being okay. Let me say it over here. (laughs) The wide path, the Bible says it leads to destruction. And the Bible tells us that there are many who are on that path. And I believe that when we talk about many, that includes the world. So that's why there's so many. Those that don't know Jesus There are many, they don't know him. They're not gonna make it. When we give our lives to Jesus, it's more of you, Lord, and less of me. How many of you have prayed that prayer? Did you really mean it? (laughs) You say that now. (laughs) We'll talk again in 10 years. Because it's hard sometimes. Oh no, you know, it's so easy. You know, just come, just be a Christian and sign up here and we'll get you a free plane. (laughs) Come on. Listen, if God gives you a plane, that's great. But all I'm saying is it's it's not easy street. He says in verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are few who find that path. There are few. You see, because the world wants our minds to be open and not be so narrow path-minded. Because you see the world saying to us, well, we need to let everybody do and be how they want. I want you to understand that what everybody wants leads to destruction. Jesus was warning us. He was warning us 2,000 years ago about what we would be experiencing right now. The world will say, this doesn't apply to us anymore. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse number 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's why it's not my way, but your way, God. It's not my will, but your will, God because I don't even know the right way. The only thing I know is that I have a manual that teaches me how I'm supposed to live, what I'm supposed to do. And I'm so thankful that it's sealed with blood and that blood represents one thing and that is true love. So don't think of this as like, oh, this is so hard, this is so terrible. No, it isn't. It's sealed in love and the blood of Jesus that has given you the opportunity to have this life, but that doesn't mean it's always gonna be easy. There is only one way, and that way is Jesus. There is no other religion, there is no other anything that can lead you to that path, to that gate. In John 10, verse nine, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. How do you get saved? Jesus is the only way. And we'll go in and out and find pastures. There's only one way to find life. There's only one way to find peace. There's only one way to find truth and that's to go through the door. But that door leads to a narrow path. I'm so glad you're all so excited this evening. It's wonderful, amen. Many people believe that it's just easy and they can do and live how they want. But watch what he says after this because it gets more and more interesting. You see, the first thing I want you to understand, and we mustn't miss this because we focus on the next verse so much, is that he tells us clearly that there are two parts. This is not addressing what's to come. This is addressing you. And you must choose either the narrow path or the wide path. The wide path is everything that everybody wants you to do. The narrow path is what he wants you to do and how he wants you to live. Well, what does that look like, Pastor Alex? Read Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, you'll get it. Remember, the context of what he's telling us is preceded just before this was the sermon that he told us how to live. He told us about lust, he told us about anger, he told us about murder, he told us about marriage, he told us about everything, he taught us. It was a long sermon. And now he's telling us that there are two paths you have to choose, either you're gonna go that way or you're gonna go this way. The one leads to destruction, the one leads to life. Which one will you choose? That's the first lesson. The second lesson begins in verse number 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. There are people that will come to you that will try and teach you and show you a way to go that is not the right way. If anybody tries to teach you what is contrary to what is taught in His Word and specifically what Jesus Himself has taught us, beware. Beware, because he, he, Jesus taught us how to do it and the way that he taught us was truth. And anyone who would try and teach contrary to that truth is false. Are you with me? You see, someone who is false is deceptive, contrary, untrue, deceitful, or a counterfeit. Someone who is true is honest, loyal, flees from deceit, truthful, transparent, has no hidden agenda wrong motives or manipulation. A true person will never live a double life. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. He says to us that we need to beware of false prophets. And then he says in verse 16, he says, you will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from from thistles? So you will know someone who's teaching you by their fruit. What kind of fruit must you look for? Let me give you just a few little things. The first way that you will see whether someone that's teaching you is true or false is by their life, not by what they say only. If they do not live what they preach, then you know that they are false. If they preach something that is contrary to God's word or something that would lead you away from what Jesus said, you know that they're false. Is anybody out there? So the first thing we look for is how they live. Do they practice what they preach? And do they preach what is truth? Be careful of doctrines that will teach what is contrary to what Jesus himself taught us, how we should live. Well, you know, we're not under the law, we're under grace. I know, but Jesus, under, under the Lord was just, you know, if you, if you lusted, there was, it, you know, you, if you, if you committed adultery, you would be punished for adultery. Yeah, if you just committed in your heart, you sin. Hasn't gotten easier, guys. God's interested in your heart now. He's interested in your inner man. Why? Because He's come and lived in the inside of you. He's made a home inside of you, bringing you and giving you the opportunity to be totally transformed and changed forever. When you, when you, are, with, when you are with believers... and you listen to them talk, you can hear what's in them. Now, not everybody's at the same place. We all, we all fall short of the glory, amen? And I'm sure on my worst day, which never happens really, <laughs> it wouldn't look too good. But long enough and you'll see what's really in somebody. Whether the fruit is true or whether it isn't has their heart really, really begun to be transformed or hasn't it? The scripture with good, bad company corrupts uh, good company, that scripture that, that, that get bad character corrupts good, good company, that scripture is actually referring to Christians. It's not referring to the world, God, do your research. Bad company, hanging around bad Christians. Christians can be bad, absolutely. They will mess you up. An unbeliever, how can he mess you up? You know the truth, You salt and light, come on. I'm not saying now go hang out with unbelievers all day. What I'm trying to tell you is you should change them. It's the Christians that you need to be careful of. Because they'll pull you down. Oh, you know, don't worry about it, you know, just have a couple of beers, you know, it's all good. Am I preaching against beers? No, but too many, definitely. And I've seen the destruction of alcohol. I promise you, I could, how much time do you have? How many stories do you wanna hear? There's no scripture in the New Testament that teaches against drinking. You can drink, it's fine. But I've seen the danger, I've seen the destruction. So when someone encourages you to live a certain way that causes you to stumble or to open doors, that can harm you. Be careful. Are you? With, I can't say to you that the Bible says you can't drink. It's not there. That would, I would be teaching something that's not true, but it does warn us about drinking too much. And if you're a leader in this church, you know my expectation. And if you don't like it, well, that's just too bad. What's my expectation? I can hear you. I'll tell you what my expectation is that you don't drink in public if you're a leader. Why? Because you can cause someone to stumble. We can preach a sermon right there. But if a leader wants to have alcohol in his home, that's his business. If I find out he's been drinking and he gets drunk, I don't wanna spend time talking about alcohol. Is that okay? But you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. It's just unfortunate that it's become so destructive. It really has, but it goes with anything. It goes with anything that, that the world says is just fine and okay, that can end up leading us into a, into a dangerous place. Are you with me? All right, let's move on. So the first thing is what is taught, or the first thing is the life of the individual. Does the life of the individual, is it truth? Is it real? Can you see the fruit of their life? The second thing is their doctrine their doctrine. 2 Peter 2, verse number one says, but there were also false prophets among you, among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. There will be people that will try and bring doctrines and teachings that will eventually bring destruction to themselves. Unfortunately, there is normally a whole bunch of people behind them that get destroyed what will they teach they will teach against what is truth how do you know what is truth read your bible read your bible you have to also read your own bible you can't expect to just come to church there was a time in the church where they didn't want believers to read their bible that's terrible You must read the word for yourself and the Holy Spirit will help you, amen? So the way to know false doctrine is to know true doctrine. But basically, a great way to understand this is simply this. We don't add and we don't subtract. In other words, we don't add things that are not there and make them law. We don't subtract things, take things away from Scripture, because that's also dangerous. Are you with me? That's why I said I can't make you not drink. I can't say to you that you mustn't drink. You're evil if you do. Are you with me? That would be adding. I'm not adding. As the senior pastor of the church, I can say I don't want my leaders drinking in public from, with scriptural support. You got me? Okay. And the third thing when it comes to false teachers or prophets is their people. You will see change in the people's lives. If you're in a place or you're being taught or you're you're in a church where people's lives are not being changed, transformed, encountering God, something is wrong. There's no fruit of productivity. You don't see the fruit on those people's lives. As a pastor, there's nothing more Heartbreaking than when I see people not growing. They must grow. A, f- a good fr- tree bears good fruit. A good tree bears fruit and it grows. A bad tree, do you want a tree that doesn't grow? Amen. So he says in verse 17, even so every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree Bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. That's speaking about the teachers, the prophets, but guess what? That's speaking about you as well. By your fruits, you will be known. And then he says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's heavy. Can we all agree it's heavy? He tells them to depart from him. Many have said, well, this is the Pentecostal church because they prophesy and they cast out demons. So when they get before the Lord, he's gonna tell them, you know. That's rubbish, man. First of all, let me tell you this. In that time, no one was casting out demons. The first person who did deliverance was Jesus. There was no deliverance before him. And when he preached the sermon, deliverance was only done by him. So it was going to be done by the disciples that followed. And that included those that would follow those disciples. That's why I said to you, this sermon on the mount is for you. Well, how can I say that? Because the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So the signs and the wonders and that stuff is supposed to be part of every church. I would be more concerned if there was none of that happening. If there was no evidence of the kingdom in a place, something is wrong. Are you with me? But what he's trying to tell you is even if you're doing those things, even if you're casting out demons, even if you're prophesying, even if you're doing signs and wonders which are supposed to be there because the Bible says they will follow those who believe. Believers, the church, you and I, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, but every single person, those things may be part of your life, but the question is, and will be asked of you, which path did you take? What was most important to you? Pleasing everyone in, in the county? Worrying about what all the other moms are gonna think at the school? Or are you gonna stand up for what is truth? Are you gonna believe and, and, and live a life that is truth? And sometimes it's gonna be painful and sometimes it's gonna be hard. It's not always gonna be easy. You will be persecuted. Because you're going to choose the narrow path that only few take. You see, many will be able to do the signs and the wonders, but when they stand before the Lord, He's going to say, I don't know you. Why? Because their motives, their heart was far from Him. Let me show you what He says next. It's so powerful because here comes almost like the bomb. Everybody say, The bomb. Jesus is the bomb, right? In verse 24, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, we can stop right there. Those who do what he has said, those who desire to follow his ways, yes, they will be, the Bible says, they will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock but the key there in that verse is what he says at the beginning of verse 24, which is those who hear these sayings of mine and does them, and that's not only talking to them, that's talking to us and especially to us because we walk in the kingdom. When he was talking about prophecy and, and deliverance and stuff like that, those people weren't even seeing that yet. That's only for the people that were after the cross. That's you and I because He wasn't warning Himself. No one else was casting out demons, only Him. So He was preparing His disciples, those that were there and those that would come, you and I, to keep our eyes on the most important thing. Your life has to tell the story. Your life has to be a living testimony. Do you still have your saltiness? Are you still full of flavor? Do you still, when you worship God, do you still have a heart that seeks after Him? When you pray, do you pray prayers to impress everybody or do you pray to Him because you still desire to seek after Him because you still desire to hear a word from Him? What is your choice as a believer? I believe that God is preparing the greatest move of His Spirit, the likes of which planet Earth has never seen. And there's more than enough prophecy to confirm that in Scripture. We don't have to add anything, it's there. He's gonna do it. In the last days, He said, He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. It began on the day of Pentecost, and it will see its climax at the end of the age before He comes. The latter rain shall be greater than the former we will see a greater outpouring, it will happen. And the church will be positioned for it. Ephesians where he talks about preparing the church, the greatest hour is not the hour where the pastors and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists are ministering. It's when the body of Christ is ministering. That's the greatest hour when the saints have been prepared to do the work of the ministry, where the saints, the church has a heart for God. And I wish I had the time to share and to read the whole of five, six, and seven to show you what He says, because it's so powerful. But it demands change in us. We have to come out from among them and be transformed into His image. And He does not promise you a rose garden on this earth. But when you are obedient to Him, He will bless you. He will protect you. He will prosper you here and in the next life. But the ones that really caught this, people like Paul and Peter, they understood that everything they were doing and the way that they were living and the way that they were living their lives was all for what was to come. Paul even said that it would be better for him to go, to go to be with the Lord, but he's staying for for the sake of the people. But he had an eternal mindset. He knew what was waiting for him. Do you realize that the greatest of what's to come for you will not be in this age, but it will be in the next? That's where you will live forever. Where you'll spend it, that's a whole different story. And how you'll spend it, that's another story. But the only way is Jesus, He's the door. He's the gate, there is no other way. And His words will determine, the way we follow and obey His words will determine the way we will spend the rest of our lives when we go into eternity. Amen. Are you guys okay this evening? Amen. Amen. So the question is, true or false? Many immediately want to go, oh, you know, that pastor, he's, he's, he's this and he's that and that pastor and this pastor. Listen, don't worry about any pastor right now. What about you? What path are you on? For me, and my house, what path have we chosen? Do we want all the things of this world more than we want the things of God? What is most important to us? We have to choose, I have to choose for my life. My wife and my kids, they have to choose. As a congregation, we have to choose, what do we want? What is most important, the narrow road? or the wide road that looks nice everyone's welcome everybody come everyone can come the, the invitation the shout is loud the trumpet is sounding come but it's gonna demand change we're not talking about a free ice cream on Friday we're talking about eternity there's no gimmicks here there's no shortcuts there's no tricks amen amen that's life. And Jesus said that He came to give life. And He came to give life more abundantly. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have so much. Yes, He does. But the more of you that you give, the more you will receive. The more you follow His ways, His words, His designs for your life, the more you will receive in this life and the next. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, you have brought each and every one of us to this place this evening. And even those that are watching us online, Lord, some watching now and some that will watch this Later on, Father, you have brought us to this moment in our walk with you. Lord, I'm not doing this for anybody else, but for you. We are here for you, Lord. We can always do things better in the natural. And we know that the thing that you desire more than anything is that our hearts would come after you. Our hearts would desire you. We're not here to point fingers at anybody, accuse anybody, criticize anybody. But your word declares that there are two paths. That the narrow path is not easy. And that few choose that path, but that path is the path that leads to life. I thank you, Lord, that, that we can just pick that path because Jesus paid the price so that we could have that choice. Father, I pray that we would come out from the world, that we would be changed, that we would be transformed, that our hearts would burn for you, Lord that the most important thing in our lives would be you, Father. Lord, that we would desire your presence, that we would desire to hear your voice, that we would desire, Lord, to walk with you. For you seek those that would desire to walk with you you seek those that want to be led by the Spirit for it's those that are led by the spirit that they are the sons of God Father we want to be sons and daughters of the most high God we want to walk with you like Moses walked with you father we want to walk with you we we want to be like Moses where he said, Lord I just if you don't come with me if you don't come before me I don't want to go without you you' I don't want to go without your presence I don't want go without you, Lord. Let us be the same way. Let us be conscious of you in every decision, in everything that we do. Father, we come short so easily and I thank you that your word declares that where we're sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So I'm grateful for that opportunity for that. But Lord, I still choose to follow your ways. My heart desires to go after you. Our hearts desire to go after you, Lord. Lord, we don't want the shortcut. We don't want the the five steps, the easy tricks or any of that stuff. We choose you, Lord. Whatever it is that you desire, Father. The only thing we ask, Holy Spirit, is that you would come, that you would manifest yourself, Lord, that when people walk into this place or when they come into our homes or when they encounter us, Lord, that they will see your glory. Lord, that they will see you and that they will be changed. Lord, you came to heal the brokenhearted. You came to see Set the captive free. Father, is the church not supposed to be armed with, with the full armor of God? Are we not supposed to trample on serpents and scorpions? Lord, where has the power gone? Father, I pray that we would once again be a people that would be awakened to a desire for more of you, Lord, for you are my heart's desire. We can do nothing without you. You are you are our deliverance, you are our healing, you are our peace, you are our joy bring us back to that place, O oh God, where we seek after You, where we seek after You with everything. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this place. Everybody's at a different place, at a different part in the journey. And Your Word declares that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but we must start by being in Christ. So if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus, there is only one way, there is only one path, and you have to give your life to Him. You have to give your heart to Him. If, they, if you've ever heard, well, just come to Jesus. It's all easy. It's not always easy, but it's so worth it because you find out who you are. You find out why you were created. You don't wake up every morning with no purpose, with no, with no passion, with no desire. You have a passion. And the Bible declares that we have a friend in Jesus. We have a friend in Him. He is our Lord. He is our Savior, but He's also our friend. Father, we worship You this morning, or this evening. We praise You. We honor You. we magnify you Lord I pray this evening that no person would be held back by anything Lord that we would let go of all things that no force no darkness no spirit would try and hold us back I rebuke every foul spirit right now in the mighty name of Jesus and I give you thanks for deliverance and for healing and for peace I thank you Lord I thank you Jesus thank you, Lord. I choose your path, Lord. The path that leads to life. I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your love. Just fill this place right now, Holy Spirit. Minister to our hearts, Lord. Do not let us be bewitched, Lord, by false doctrines and false teachings that that lead only to death. For the, the path is narrow. Lord, I pray that we would all take that path and we would follow you. All we have to do is heed your word, what you say. Seek after you. Did you not say even in this sermon that if we knock, the door will be opened? If we seek, we will find you. And if we hear these words and do them, that we will build and that that house will stand forever. In this life and the next, I pray for our children. Father, in this society, in this time, the way that social media has brainwashed and corrupted our our young people. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would encounter them. Holy Spirit, that you would encounter them. This generation needs an outpouring of your spirit, Lord. Our young people need to encounter you, Father. Lord, let your presence be more desirable than the things of this world to our young people. Father, I pray for our teenagers, for, for our middle school kids. Father, I pray for them this morning, or this evening in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, those that are struggling with gender identity and all this junk that the world is throwing at them. Father, I pray that they will find their identity in you, Lord. There is no hope. There is no other hope except for you. So we desperately cry out to you, Father, that you will come, that you will come, Lord, that you will manifest yourself in the mighty name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise and all the glory and all the honor, all the honor in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. If you've come here this evening and you say, Pastor Alex, I need to get my life right with God. My life is not right with God. I need to get my life right with Him. Quickly slip your hand up, so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Quickly slip your hand up, and I will thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Anybody else say, Pastor, my life's not right. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you in the back. Thank you so much. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else say, My life isn't right. I need to make right with God tonight. If that's you, God bless you. I see your hand over there. God bless you. Thank you so much. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Tonight, I need to get right with God. I choose the narrow path. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. Anybody else, last call, say, Pastor, that's me. Tonight, I wanna wanna recommit my heart. I wanna commit my heart to Jesus. I wanna run to Him tonight. I choose the narrow path, I choose the path that He desires me to walk on. Quickly raise your hand so I can include you in the prayer. God bless you, thank you. Thank you so much. Can we all stand for just a moment? Amen. Many hands went up. We're gonna pray a prayer this evening and if I can ask you try not to move around too much right now during this time I'd appreciate that because this is a very important moment if you raised your hand you need to pray this from your heart but I'm going to ask the whole church to pray with me this prayer tonight we can all commit our lives to Him I give my life to Jesus every day every day is a new day So let's pray this from our hearts, but especially those that raise their hands. Say, Father, I come to you tonight and I believe that Jesus died and rose again, that he is the son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me whole, Lord. Come and fill me, Holy Spirit. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I choose your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, let's give the Lord a clap, amen. Amen. Just take a seat for one more minute, I'll close in just a moment. I think it was verse 17 where he says, "Those who hear these words and do them." Go and read Matthew five. Go and read Matthew five, chapter Matthew four, chapter five, six, and seven. Go read those three chapters and read what he says and study it. Go read the whole Bible. and learn what he says, how we should live, what we should do. Well, pastor, what do I need to do about this? Go look in the Bible. It tells you, it tells you how to live. If you don't understand it, find a Christian brother that can help you. Come to us at the church, to one of the pastors, they can help you, one of the leadership, your cell leader, your zone leader. Speak to other believers, other Christians to get clarity on certain things. But for the most part, it's pretty plain. It's not that complicated. It's we that try and change it. And many times we try and make it easy. Jesus says if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. That's the truth, guys. That's the truth. That's the truth. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. This is a Sunday morning service, but the Lord wanted me to preach it tonight. I don't know why. Amen. Let me close. Father, we we love you so much. We love you so much, Lord. We're so grateful to you for everything. For surely everything we have comes from you, from your hands. We take nothing for granted, Father. Every moment with our loved ones, every moment as a church family, every day that you give us, we don't take it for granted. We are so grateful. The, Lord, if I look at the if I look from, from, a, from a different perspective sometimes and just and just see what, what we have and what we, Father, all that comes to mind is I'm so grateful. Help us to always be grateful. Help us to never forget that you've saved us. Lord, my prayer for each and every person in this place is that they would draw nearer to you, that they would have a hunger and a thirst for more of you. We want to drink from your cup, Lord. We want to know you more, Lord. This is our desire and my desire for each and every person in this place. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in our lives. And Father, at the end of it all, we will always give you all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. In Jesus' name.